Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So before I go into today's episode, I am delighted to announce that the next intake of the Female Fat Loss Program is now open. So the next intake is starting on the 4th of September, 2023. So this is going to be the biggest intake. This is going to be bigger and better than ever. I've got a new coach to come in and help me as well. So this is perfect for someone if you've tried every diet under the sun, whether it comes from keto, intermittent fasting, someone that you're maybe very skeptical about the fitness industry, you might have been scammed out of certain clubs, you believe in sins. But the one thing that I would say about this program is it's actually been, been designed by previous clients. And if you're trying to get away from that yo-yo dieting background, trying to get away from that diet starts Monday cycle, this is the perfect thing for you. So what this program is, is a six week program. You'll get weekly check-ins with myself. You will get tailored program with videos. So you've got an option of home workouts uh, that you've got an option of a three day home workout program with videos. You've got an option of a four day gym program with videos, or you've got an option of three day gym program with videos. You can do your own training if you wish, but those programs are provided to you. You've got tailored calories and macros that are perfectly set for you based off your activity and your needs and your age. You have got recipe books, which are perfect. The brownies in their class. You've got a Facebook group, which is a perfect place for support. Weekly lives are in there every Tuesday. And then you've got personalized weekly check-ins with myself. So it's, it's an amazing program. And I would say the last one, in April and I haven't run it for April since April because I wanted to make it even bigger and better and I wanted to make sure that it was going to be bigger and better. I want to improve things as it grows. I'm not just going to stagnate and not let the program grow into what it wants to be. So the price of the program for six weeks is very, very cheap. It is 99 euro. So if you're looking for kind of, if you're on a budget or you're looking for a lower barrier entry into a program, 99 euro, you're not going to get it lower. The normal price is 149 euro. So that will be going up in the next week or so that to, to full price. So if you're interested in doing that, I wouldn't wait around. So if you're interested in working with me in the female fat loss program, click on the link in the show notes, book your place before it sells out because the last one sold out in a very short space of time and I wouldn't wait around. So the biggest thing that I would say is it's not gonna be a sin in sight. You're just gonna get results, improve relationship with food, learn how to train, around your cycle, learn about perimenopause, PCOS, endometriosis, all these various different things, and you'll get the results you're looking for. So if you're interested in working with me, click on the link in the show notes and we'll book your space. And we'll see you on the 4th of September. Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is something that has been asked a good bit. I think I covered it previously on a on the perimenopause episode, on menopause episode. So I'll link that into the show notes for you. But today's episode is in relation to is it harder to lose weight in your forties than other times? And the answer is it can be. The answer is probably and the answer might be yes. But it's not for the reasons why a lot of people think it is. So the first thing that people will always hear when they get to the 40s or whatever it may be is they will say, well, my, my metabolism is broken or well, if your metabolism is broken, you'll be dead. So that's not what it is. So they'll start to say, well, my, my metabolism has slowed down or they might have certain identities or belief systems or they might have a relationship with food, that, all those kind of different things. But 
there's a variety of different reasons why it can be harder. And one of the reasons that a lot of people will kind of blame is the metabolism. So we need to like, you need to look at what the definition of metabolism is and then we can kind of go from there. So the metabolism is essentially the process by which the body changes food and drink into energy and how our body processes it, okay? So you might hear people that I have a slower metabolism. That could be generally down to having an underactive thyroid. And if you have an underactive thyroid, the best way to manage it is to make sure that you're going to the doctor to get regular checkups and make sure you're getting regular MOTs or NCTs on it because your metabolism can function at the same level as someone else who hasn't got underactive thyroid. And that can be managed by giving the right correct amount of medication and the dosage. Once the dosage is right, you're on the same level playing field. And what an underactive thyroid can mean is it can be that your metabolism might be a little bit slower, which therefore that it can be a little bit harder to lose weight and it do, the body doesn't process at full capacity. So then there's that's hypothyroidism and then there's hyperthyroidism. So think of overactive child, hyper. That's when your, your metabolism is quite fast and that can be difficult to keep weight on. So both are manageable with the right medication, but it's making sure that you're talking to the doctor. So if you have those one or, or the two, or sorry, one or the other of the types of kind of thyroid issues, once you're going to the doctor and it's being managed, you're on the best level, level playing field. But what can happen with people saying it's about their metabolism and, and the stuff like that, and people can also say, well, my metabolism is broken. I'm like, it's not broken. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it was broken. You, we, we wouldn't, unfortunately, we, we wouldn't be here. And generally, what well, and there's new studies that have come out recently saying that, that metabolism doesn't really slow down until we're about 60. And even at that case, it's only by 0.6%. So 0.6% at the age of 60. And then you're in your 40s, you've still got another 20 years before it slows down even by 0.6%. So it's not a huge, huge amount. And you're, you're kind of you've read something on Dr. Google, you've looked at something up on social media and that's what's latched onto. You're blaming other things and external things that could be at the factor. But one thing that I think a lot of people can't forget about is there's, there's, the, there's the two Ps as I call them, which is priorities have changed and then there could be also the element of perimenopause. So what I mean by the first P, which is priorities. So if you think about it, if you're in your 40s and you've got kids, or you have a busy life with work and then you've also got sleep is down. You may not be making yourself a priority. You may be trying to keep your head above water. You may lack structure, may, you may not have any you time. And all those things have a massive, massive impact on food, our sleep, our stress, all these behaviors, all these belief systems. So if we look at say your sleep, for example, say if you've got a young family and one of your kids isn't sleeping and if they're not sleeping you're not sleeping so if you're not sleeping what's going to happen is our hunger hormone can go into overdrive and our fullness hormone can downregulate. and if that tends to happen what happens is because we're so tired our brain kicks into safety mode and tells us that we need to get food into our body and generally when our food and when when we're so tired the quickest source of energy your brain is literally looking for the quickest source of energy into the body to get it through 
whatever it's going through, whatever to get it through the day. And generally what types of foods come in at play when it's looking for the quickest source of energy is carbohydrates, sugary foods, fatty foods, processed foods. Now there's nothing wrong with those foods in any way. There's nothing wrong with those foods in any way, in moderation. But if it's something that when you're when you're really, really tired and you're and you're kind of only using those types of foods, or that your only coping mechanism to deal with poor stress, poor sleep, obviously your sleep routine will go out the window when you have a young family. And I'm I'm not going to sit there and say it. it's not that you don't want it enough. It's not that you you're you're not that's not that it's not that you're not trying. It's just might be that you're at this stage of your life that sleep might be the, the the difficulty with kids and stuff like that. But plus, there's other aspects of it with stress. And stress can have a similar reaction with our the chemical hormone in our brain, which are like the likes of dopamine and so, that side of things. So when we get stressed, there's two reactions to stress. There's the stress response, which is to overeat, and there's the stress response to undereat. I would say that I have a tendency to undereat when I get stressed. My, my hunger hormone turns off, but then there's other people, and that's not a great response either because it means I'm not dealing with my stress. It means I'm not feeling safe. My body isn't feeling safe. It's not in balance. It feels under attack. This fight or flight mode that people have spoken about. But when people are when people are stressed, they can also have this reaction of when they get very stressed, they, their hunger hormone can go into overdrive and the fullness hormone goes down. And those same type foods, the likes of carbohydrates, the processed rich foods, the, the fatty foods, the sugary foods, those foods can kind of come into play as well because we don't know how to deal with the stress or we don't want to deal with the stress. So we tend to go for those foods rather than asking ourselves in that moment, what do we need? But how do we know what we need if we're not taking you time, if we're not prioritizing ourselves because our priority at that moment in time is our family. So we get knocked down the pecking order. And that's the next one, which is we get knocked down the pecking order so we don't look after ourselves. We create this fallacy that we're not enough and i'll always ask my clients when they say that they don't feel that they're enough and it's a very very common thing which is that they don't feel they're enough i'm like well what is good enough and i haven't had a client that's told me that what's good enough yet because they don't know what it is so if we don't know what it is how can we know what it is i know it can be that feeling of being lost i fully understand it because i've been there but if we can't define it how can we strive for it because you're good enough as you are but you're watching other people on social media, watching other people living their lives and think they've got all their shit together. And I had a conversation with a client recently. They were like, oh, you seem to have your shit together. I was like, I definitely don't have my shit together. I can assure you of that. Life is mental at the minute. My brother's, as, as, as I'm recording this, my brother's getting married this week. So I'm literally trying to run around. He's over in the UK. So we're trying to run around, getting everything sorted over here to get everything over to my parents who were driving over. And then I'm flying over later on in the week. But it doesn't mean I've got my shit together. I'm trying to do the best I can, trying to do the best I can for what's going on at the minute. Has I've got a match the day before the, the wedding and I really hope I don't get injured. I really don't. So the biggest thing that I would say is priorities can change. And if you're at the, the this people pleasing tendency can come in and people pleasing is one of those things that when people don't feel they're enough, they put everyone else ahead of themselves. And that can be created by childhood. You could be mimicking or watching other people trying to do it. And it's, it's a way you've learned how to cope, particularly if you've been in a, in a family situation and something's happened as a kid and you've been 
the, the been kind of been told that you're going to be the homemaker now or you're going to be the person that's going to be cooking the meals at home and looking after everyone else you set you're, you're you're put into a role and the only way you know how to be in that role and to survive is put everyone else first and put your own needs at the bottom and that can be harsh and that i i know that for a fact that that can sound harsh and dismissive but that's not the way it's intended but one of the big things that when people put themselves second or third or fourth even on the rank they don't get their own needs met they don't get they don't know how to deal with their emotions they don't know how to deal with their stress they don't know how to go with the relationship of food and food is the one constant comfort in their lives so when we get emotional don't know how to manage these relationship of food can kind of go down the toilet so this is all very very sounds very very morbid and i don't want it to be but perspective this element of lack of structure, the you time, are all linked with this whole thing of this fallacy of I'm not good enough or this fallacy of I don't have time. Yes, your time isn't your own, but you can still fill in maybe 20, 30, 40 minutes two, three times a week for yourself. Having a conversation with your with your partner or if you're going on your own and you may not have a support group. I know there's people over here I know of a couple of friends who have moved over from different countries and they haven't got that support network around them and they're struggling. They've openly said it. I know someone I had a conversation with last week, his partner's really struggling and they're both struggling because they haven't got that support network around them. And they only moved here before the the, the kid was born and they've got, what, I think a nine month old, I think uh, he is at the minute. So it, it, it can happen. So the sleep patterns can cause this whole element of eating that a little bit more if we don't sleep we don't exercise as much we don't feel our mood goes down if our mood goes down this thing called motivation kind of comes in where it's not motivation it's your mood kind of goes down because you're not sleeping when our mood goes down food kind of comes into play when our mood goes down stress comes into play when our mood goes down we go down and we don't feel like doing anything really and we don't know what we want to do we lose this belief system that we can do something so what happens for an awful lot of people is they try to focus on weight loss and they try to go on these restrictive diets. But it ends up kind of almost destroying their kind of like the relationship of food. They can almost feel like that their weight is out of control and they believe that they need to go back to the old tricks of restriction, the slimming clubs, whatever it may be. And nearly every woman in particular that I've spoken with over the age of 40 kind of asks themselves the question is why is this happening to me? I want to feel like myself. I want to feel comfortable. Wait, this isn't me. I don't feel like myself. And another element of it that I need to speak about is perimenopause. And perimenopause means around menopause, which means it's the stage before menopause. Menopause kind of average age kind of kicks in about 51. It can happen early. It can happen later, whatever. Maybe at the average age in the UK, according to studies, is about 51. And perimenopause is there's various different hormone changes. There's a lot of different changes going on in the body. The cycle becomes irregular. There can be other different elements with night sweats, flashes or kind of flushes then the body doesn't feel great. So if our hormones aren't in place or if our hormones don't feel right, that can have massive impacts on your mood, your anxiety. Unfortunately, depression is there as well. And if we're not sleeping, we're getting more stressed, our mood is low, food is there as a comfort. So if we're not moving, we're eating that little bit more, our mood is lower, food is always going to be there. It's been one constant in our life. So it can't, perimenopause can make it more difficult. 
but it's not that it can't be done. It just means that we need to get the symptoms managed as best we can. That's like going to the doctor to talk about what are your options for HRT, getting your hormones checked like an NCT or an MOT. That means that you're talking to friends and talking to support groups, talking to people, because if you're suffering with anxiety or you're suffering with mood disorders or PMDD or, or PTSD or anxiety, depression, knowing that there's support systems out there for you to talk about things. And why people, when they're gonna to get to 40, they kind of feel that their, their, the belly fat is harder to change or to, to lose is, yes, perimenopause can play a role because your estrogen, your, your progesterone hormones are lowering and your testosterone hormone, which is your male hormone, which women do have, and males do have estrogen as well. But women have testosterone and that kind of increases. And what happens at that stage is because where males hold their weight predominantly is around their stomach. And as the progesterone or the, the testosterone is increasing, this can can cause that little bit of like um, some people call it. I hate the word. I really do hate the word. Inverted commas a pouch to appear around their stomach for some people, and they be like, "Why is this happening to me? I want to get rid of it. I want to get rid of it. I just want a flat stomach like in all the magazines." They're sentences that I know you're thinking and saying to yourself right now, but it's your testosterone's increasing, so your 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 body changes from holding your weight into your quads and your hips into more of your bum and into your kind of your belly area which can cause a little bit of discomfort it can your body shape is changing and it can be a hard thing to kind of accept a hard thing to kind of go through and if you don't feel supported you're not making yourself a priority for whatever reason that can have a massive knock-on effect like a slim stomach or a trim stomach can be down to genetics can be down to where we hold our fat it can be down to your hormones it can be down to a load of different things it can also be down to your actual ovaries and your cervix being or your pelvis as well being kind of like on your body and that could be just how you do it how your body looks so there's a lot of different factors at place but a flat stomach isn't going to make you happy i can assure you of that like at what cost do you want a six-pack at what cost do you want a flat stomach is it another miserable diet cabbage soup diet that's out there or is it kind of like making yourself as strong as possible being able to manage your symptoms looking after you so you look after your family so it's, it's so it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation yes we want to feel good in our clothes yes we want to feel common yes we want to fit into society because ultimately that's what people are looking for often when it comes to our weight often when it comes to that kind of fitting in and all that stuff it is an element of control if we control this outcome we get to this that's what happens with work that's what happens with money but when it comes to our weight we can't control what other people are going to think of us and that makes us feel uneasy and if our anxiety and our mood and depression are kind of coming up and i really would recommend to go into therapy or cbt in particular is those those things that we've believed about ourselves for so long are heightened and they come to the surface it's like a volcano they kind of surge and up and down and up and down and they erupt eventually so things that can change are your priorities sleep stress make not making you a priority lack of perspective uh you time lack of structure and then the second p is perimenopause your cycle your different hormones the belly fat element of it as well so it can be one of those things that food choices, lifestyle, your sleep habits go down. You kind of, because you only have a little bit of time for yourself, your, your kind of, your sleep habits can kind of go down because, right, we might drink alcohol to kind of get through or as a reward for getting through the day because it's been a tough day with the kids. Little Michael's written on the wall again or Mary has pooed her pants again or got sick in the car. 
they can all happen but then we use alcohol or food or our phones to deal with our sleep or we we do we do those things to help with our sleep but alcohol stops us sleeping it doesn't get us into our deep sleep and we stop doing exercise and how we approach these various different kind of food and lifestyle choices either from a lifestyle point of view or from a a diet mentality will almost always always impact your relationship with food and i think when i work privately with my clients and one-to-one and then i have the female fat loss program which is running as well i teach my clients this and one of the things that i've kind of kind of come up with in the last kind of couple of days is a is a kind of a a tagline or kind of like a, an acronym i think it's called and it's called savor but it's savor the way the americans spell it it's not s-a-v-o-u-r it's s-a-v-o-r and it's a framework that i think is going to help some people to address their concerns about their weight gain and it's this acronym actually stands for start awareness variety options reflect and release now these may sound too wishy-washy. They may not be your cup of tea, which is fine, but I do think I do know that this is going to land for something. So when you look at it from the first one, which is start, which is S, it's noticing how messages from family, your doctors, your GPs, your friends, your social media, your magazines, your media influences are changing how you think and talk about your body and why you need to lose weight. And notice how these messages actually make you feel about your body, where the discomfort is, what the, where the comfort is. And these messages are the catalyst for every single diet or trendy, inverted commas, wellness plan or restrictive diet that you've ever done. But what these messages ultimately fail to tell you and fail to mention is that beyond two years of following rigid rules, which 95% of people can't maintain, the weight comes back on a lot more meaning your attempts at the weight loss are actually causing you to gain weight, which is irony. And people will say, well, I'm going to be perfect today. I'm going to be good today. It's like, no, no, no. That's ultimately what's setting you up for a fall. But if you look at when you're in your 40s, look at the messages that are coming through to you. You believe that you should be this idealistic, idealistic body or look at a certain way to fit into society. Where are they coming from? Are there comments being made by maybe your mom, your parents, family, aunties? Oh, you look different. You've put on weight. Those comments aren't helpful. But look at where your comments are coming from because you might be comparing. So, well, I'll be I'll be happy when I'm 11 stone. I'll be happy when I'm 8 stone. Whatever it may be. You may have a weight in your head. Of, I'll be happy. But you need to look back and check back. Right. Why do I associate 11 stone and 8 stone being happy? It's like, well, I was that weight when I was in my teens or in my 20s and I was having fun, free getting the shift having all the fun in the world and i was getting comments validation about how i looked so often when we say we want i'll, I'll be happy when i get to a certain weight you need to dig in and say why why does that weight mean important to you because you were happy at, you were at that stage one stage and you probably got validation for your efforts so you seem to think or we do think that when we we get to that weight and we associate with that weight, we have this positive affirmation loop, a positive feedback loop in our brains that kind of kicks in that if I want to fit into society, if I want validation, I need to be this weight. And then we strive for it, but we do stupid shit like restrictive diets and rigid plans 
in order to do that. But then we end up putting the weight back on. That defeats us, that we puts ourselves down. Our confidence goes down and decreases our relationship with food, our our morale, our self-esteem, all these things. So it's this feedback loop that people aren't actually aware of that actually increases the, the likelihood that you're not going to get to that goal. But if we took it as an approach of, right, I need to probably, you need to look at number A, or number A, letter A, which is you need to look at, become aware of your body changes. Whether you like it or not, that's okay. It's okay not to love your body as you get older. Aging isn't celebrated in culture. It's changing. And it's celebrated in different ancient cultures about that the, the person who's older and wiser are the people that people go to. But you're aware of an increase in your weight, especially around maybe your waist. That about, I think it's about 60, 70, 80% of women between 40s and 50s experience because that testosterone rise that I spoke about a little bit earlier. And this is because your body is prefer, preparing for declining estrogen, which has been your one main health protector for your bone health your cardiovascular health, and even your mental health during your adult life. And as your body increases your weight or more fat might occur around that, that around your waist in the form of fat tissue, it's, it's, it can be this, it can be hard to accept. It can be hard to, to accept that change. It can be hard to, yeah, it can be hard to accept. And you, you need to really, really dig in and say, right, am I going to make this the same mistake over and over again of doing those fad diets? Because it's like, well, that's the only thing I know how to do. It's like, is it the only thing you know how to do or are you addicted to restriction? When I say are you addicted to restriction, what I mean is, is your mind chaotic at the minute in that you're not looking after yourself? Your stress management ain't tools aren't there because you haven't been taught how to deal with your emotions. Your emotional needs aren't being met. So your mind is chaotic. So if our chaotic mind, if you think of it this way, our chaotic mind thrives off restriction because it fuels it. it. It's addicted to it. It lives off it. But if we create structure, that chaotic mind reduces. It doesn't like it, but it, it reduces that intensity of that chaotic mind. So when we start to prioritize ourselves, that chaotic mind reduces and that chaotic mind starts to ramp down. And once we start to ramp that down, we feel a lot more in control of what we're doing. Now that might sound too wishy-washy for you and that's cool, but it is the ultimate psychological aspect of dieting that a lot of people don't take into account, which is that element of that chaotic mind, that chaotic diet, those fat diets, what restriction diets. It's not that you can't stick to it. No one can stick to it. So it's not your fault. But the ideology, you've been taught somewhere that you need to restrict carbs, you need to restrict foods, you need to restrict all your favorite foods and not being able to have cakes or biscuits or carbs or whatever it may be, or pasta or whatever it may be in your life and to lose weight. But you need to ask yourself, have you ever stuck to that for long enough? And they're like, the answer is, well, I stuck to it. Well, I, I lost weight previously. It's like, no, you lost weight previously because you took out a food group. But what happened when you introduced it back in? So it's not the carbohydrate that made us lose. It was the, the, the total amount of calories were reduced. They may have reduced been too aggressively. But you may not love this kind of health approach that I'm taking right now. But by ultimately ditching those diets and those savoring your, your what you what your body can do for you, you'll dramatically increase your relationship with food. And if you do that, 
and you won't look back. So the next one is V, and that's a thing called missing out on variety. It's missing out on variety of food. It's missing out on variety of nourishment. It's missing out on variety of self-care. It's missing out on variety of what you actually want to do. So if we look at it from example for during your kind of really, really busy days of trying to be in inverted commas good, trying to be in inverted commas healthy about your eating, you limit yourself to rarely having breakfast. You skip your lunch, only having coffee or fruit, and you'll do anything other than have a regular meal. You skip lunch, answering emails, wrapping up a project, jumping on phone calls, sitting through meetings, or trying to get out of the house before the kids come and trying to get the kids to come from back from school. And then at the very least, you kind of nibble on things and picking at things when you're in the kitchen with the kids, then you beat yourselves up because that's not what you should be doing. And then you beat yourself up again because of why effect this, I've blown it up, so I might as well eat everything around me now. And then the, by the afternoon, the hunger gets better of you and you're reaching for big bag of M&Ms or Snickers and promising yourself only have a few, then you potentially don't know what you're doing, then you're reaching for the big bag of crisps because you haven't eaten enough all day and you're picking up the, the kids from sports or dropping the kids off, then you throw something for dinner really, really quickly, but uh, but you don't feel like you've eaten that much today because you're you're full, you're happy. Um, and you may have a glass of wine on the side, but once you've managed that evening routine of doing the homework, putting the kids to bed, cleaning the house, cleaning the kitchen, a few chores, you collapse. Then we have ice cream when we're watching Netflix, we have cookies, we have chocolate, whatever it may be. But what's missing for that is a lot of variety, a variety of foods, a variety of a flexible system. So that's just what I spoke about there is a very, very typical day for one of my clients at the, when they first start with me is like, there's literally chaos because there's no structure. Everyone else's meetings are taken care of, but their meetings are not taken care of as well. A variety, when people talk about, I'm gonna, I want to eat healthy, I'm kind of like, well, what's your defini- definition of eating healthy? It often means cutting out carbs, cutting out chocolate, cutting out sugar, cutting out X, Y, or Z. I'm like, that's not healthy. What we need to look at is we need to look at variety. A variety of foods like protein sources, fiber-rich carbohydrates like fruit and veggies, we need to look at satisfying fats like omegas ones like salmon and fatty fish, fishes like that. And we need to time to kind of make ourselves a priority about allowing ourselves to breathe, about moving our body. And that actually connects to your inner, what you want. When people generally get overwhelmed by things is one, it's a loss of sight of a goal because they were not clear on their goal. They think that weight loss will solve the problems. It often won't solve the problems if the belief system haven't changed. And that might sound counterintuitive to what I'm saying on a podcast here about someone that kind of coaches people to lose weight and improve their relationship with food. But if you listen to the last episode about finding food freedom, yes, you can find food freedom. But if the goal is weight loss, it's going to be harder. If the goal is to improve relationship with food, food freedom occurs, weight loss happens as a, as, a, as a mechanism behind it. But if you have a variety in your life, time for reflection, time for you and your day, you'll better be able to do things. So if I was to sit down with you right now, imagine I'm having a consultation with you right now. What what would I notice straight away if you actually to write out a plan for you for the week? 
like a structure for you for the week. Maybe you have it, maybe you don't. But maybe we need to change the reality of what the circumstances are and say, right, maybe your perspective or maybe your ideology is that you have to do hour-long workouts. But you don't. I've had clients do 20, 30-minute workouts three times a week because what most people do when they try to lose weight is they increase their exercise. They don't look at their food at all. The food is the bigger directive. It's about 97% of the equation. 3% is about exercise. Now, that's not stats. That's not science. But that's my opinion. That doesn't mean it's right. doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just my opinion. That's my experience. People will be, when they first go to lose weight, they're like, well, I'm going to increase my exercise. But why don't we focus on the food? It's like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to exercise here. They try to focus on burnt calories, burnt fat, whatever it may be. But the big thing is you need to have options, which is O of saber. So when you're frustrated with your weight, watching it creep up, you're only going by the scales. And it often doesn't have any explanation. And the options that most people, women in particular, turn to is really, really restrictive food groups, really, really restrictive ideologies, fallacies, slimming clubs, and they're trying to exercise a lot more. But if you haven't guessed by now from what I've just said is this weight situation is more complicated than calories in, calories out. Yes, calories in, calories out directs it. But it, this weight gain that's happening isn't going to be fixed by cutting out food or cutting out any food. You have options. You have options to kind of go back to those old trusty diet culture weight loss tricks. Or you can practice some of the, the mechanisms that I'm going to talk about in a second which is potentially looking at structure. So what structure looks like with a lot of an awful lot of my clients is, right, three main meals, two or three snacks a day. People are like, well, that's too basic. It's like, when you're not able to get past the basic, you're not even able to eat to create the structure for an awful lot of people. Three meals, two or three snacks allows that flexibility, allows that structure. If there's structure, the chaos, the chaotic mind reduce. If that reduces your likelihood of you getting to your goal will help you an awful lot more. Yes, you can calorie count if you want, but for an awful lot of people who are busy parents, they don't really want to fit more on an app. They're kind of struggling with time already. So they want to go for more regular meals. Three meals, two or three snacks is a very, very solid foundation for people to go for. Stick to that for two weeks. Then you can introduce something else in, like maybe focusing on maybe bringing in protein with your three main meals. If you do that for another two weeks, maybe bring in, right, I want to increase my vegetables by, I don't know, having vegetables or a fruit with your with your main meals. Now, those things might sound too basic, too not sexy at all. With the with the structure, it's kind of like, well, look at your calendar right now. Where's the you time in that calendar? Write out what your plan for the week is. You'll notice, you know what your, your work meetings are. You know when your kids' meetings are. You know when your partner is playing football or out with the lads or whatever it is or out playing rugby with their mates but they don't know when they are when their own time is have you spoken to your partner and says i want to do this for me and they may go off what your previous attempts are oh they're on another diet and i've had clients like that before and then their partners have bitten back and said well what's different what's going to be different this time and they don't believe and they don't have that support system. But if you have a support system, it makes it a lot easier. And having someone to be accountable to, having someone to be helpful with, and being on the same journey as you really, really does help. So it's really, really important that you do have that support network. You have those upper conversations. Sorry, I want to do this for me. This is the last time I'm ever doing this. One that puts pressure on yourself, but it also helps you to 
which is a good thing and a bad thing but it also helps you to have that open relationship with your partner and say right i want to be able to do this for me and say right would you be able to help out that a little bit more with the meals would you be able to help out that a little bit more with the, the, the shopping or help that a little bit more with kind of like the carpooling or ask one of the neighbors or the other parents to help out with the carpooling when it comes to booking in time for you look at what you enjoy is it booking in a, a class in a gym and doing it that way that way you're booked in and if sometimes in the gyms is that if you don't show up you lose your credit or you have to pay money book in with a coach so you have you know when your check-ins are book in your meetings i know when i'm walking i know when i'm training i don't know i'm walking or when I'm training and I'm on football training each and every week. Granted, I'm not a parent, but I know when my meetings are. It takes out that decision fatigue for me as well. Now, a lot of this can be, there's probably rattling around in your head right now. And the number or, and letter, I keep saying number or, letter or is reflect back over the SAVO strategy. What resonates with your attempts at weight loss now in your mid, now that you're in midlife? Which of these strategies do you want to try and support your health? Pick a few of these and actually will help you there. But you need to look at it from a point of view of, we need to change that diet mentality. We need to say that we don't we don't want restriction. We need to look at it from a point of view, of what can you do? An awful lot of people are great at creating these ideas that they can't do something. If they can't do something, they don't try. If they don't try, they're looking at other people and they're kind of saying to themselves, well, why can that person do it and, that, and I can't? And that fuels that strategy of I'm not good enough, but you don't even know what good enough is. You don't know what that other person's doing. No one has their shit together. Every single one of us is winging their lives. You're watching these highlight reels on social media and you're kind of getting overwhelmed by it. But overwhelm can generally come from not having to be clear, clear on your goal or it can come from doing an awful lot of activities that aren't aligned with your actual values and what you, what you actually want to do, which can happen for an awful lot of people. They're very busy at great and giving all their time to other people and not enough time to their own health and their own mental health and other needs and that fuels that strategy again so the whole thing of like why is losing weight harder it's harder because there's a lot that the two p's the priority priorities perimenopause and then if we look at the saver we need to have a little sit down 10 minutes on a sunday or a saturday and write out some sort of plan for yourself look at it and put it into your calendar if it's in your calendar it will get done if it's not in your calendar you're on your phone you get alerts onto your phone you need to improve your relationship with food and work on that because dieting with a shit relationship with food is like having a leak in your house and just turning on the tap it's not going to work very well you need to work with your belief system you need to potentially go to therapy you need to work on your identity you need to work on your belief system there's an awful lot of different things so is it harder to lose weight in your 40s probably and yes but it's not for the reason you think it's not your metabolism it's priorities perimenopause a lack of planning and probably a poor relationship with food so if you've enjoyed this episode i really do hope you have if you've enjoyed it please do tag me if you want to work with me and talk about perimenopause and working with me in your 40s and how to create this strategy for yourself pop me a dm we can jump on a call if you want to go for the female fat loss program which starts on the 4th of september click on the link in the show notes and you can book your space there. There's a very few small amount of spaces left. I will be closing it quite soon because it, the, the numbers have been amazing so far. So thank you for everyone who has signed up so far. So if you enjoyed the episode, leave a review up on iTunes. Leave a review up on Spotify or wherever you listen. 
pop us a DM, share it up on your story, share it with a friend, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode.